guys welcome to another episode of we don't play today we're going to talk about the football season that was just finished or the soccer season if you like to call it that way uh with the champions league final concluding on sunday we know liverpool beat tottenham for their first european title in 14 years and that has clearly put me in amazing spirits but as you probably know we don't discuss team performances or match reviews on we don't play so instead we're going to look at some of the key points of interest outside the field of play during the season like var the issue of racism and the very controversial venue of baku for the europa league final with me today is a special guest deacon alumni sport management professional and more importantly football fan devin bhatia welcome to your first episode on we don't play devin thank you saket and must say congratulations on the club that you support winning its 6th champions league final good thank you thanks very much um like i said earlier we don't do much performance related um analysis on we don't play but because both of us are football fans and i see a lot of your twitter activity i have to ask you how did you think this football season including the world cup of course of 2018 went how did what did you think of it definitely a long season considering the world cup was involved uefa nations league involved a lot of football content all around mm-hmm. with ronaldo shifting to serie a an exciting time yeah. premier league obviously creating an exciting season with manchester city and liverpool running head to head for the title race united having a turbulent time chelsea and arsenal battling their own issues it was pretty good and exciting time but also at times with the lester incident mm. unfortunate situations it was quite dramatic yeah. emiliano salah as well for cardiff yeah when he moved to nantes um, unfortunate situations but um, what was your favorite moment from this season if if you had to pick just one it definitely has to be mourinho saying respect man respect it has to be for the sheer amount of the confidence that the person has and it's something that i wish i also had mm-hmm. the self belief yeah. in myself yeah. in a few years he will be proved wrong so he won't really have anything else to say but let's see how that goes all right you spoke about how this was a very special season a lot of uh, interesting action and i thought especially with uefa champions league and the fifa world cup lots of upsets um lots of memorable moments there was it was also revolutionary in some senses with the video assistant referee or var being used in a lot of competitions for the first time the world cup had it for the first time the champions league knockout stages the la liga the serie a the fa cup even the a league had it although the a league has been using it for a while now uh, but the var has divided opinions quite a bit so i want to get your opinion on that but before that i'll just give some context on on var and how it works So VAR is video assistant referee that just helps on field referees with checking or reviewing um, match changing action so they they mostly look at goals incidents in the penalty areas red cards or mistaken identity so fifa has said they are using VAR to incre- increase the accuracy of referee decisions and make the game fairer there've been controversial decisions obviously on really big stages the world cup final where the penalty was awarded to france that was quite controversial champions league quarter final city and spurs 
Fernando Llorente's goal, Sterling's goal. So they, these incidents could have completely altered how the tournament panned out. The A-League in 2018 and 2019, both the grand finals. There was the Chelsea Spurs semi-final first leg controversy when Chelsea's manager famously brought out his own laptop to show us a different view uh, that the Chelsea cameras got. But all in all, what did you think of VR and how, how successful do you think it was? The World Cup was the first platform where VAR was introduced to everyone. It was definitely a necessary product or an introduction that was needed solely from the fact when Lampard's goal bounced off and the goal did not mm -hmm. go in or was not counted. In 2010. 2010. That really hurt England fans mm -hmm. and everyone in the team there. The reaction to VAR was similar to whenever a new product is introduced, everybody has a negative feeling towards it, a feeling of apprehension of mm -hmm. where it's going to go, how is it going to pan out. Overall, I believe it's a necessary injection, a mm -hmm. necessary technology in the sport that we need, yeah. considering the players, how fast they've become, how strong they've become over the period of years. It's beneficial for the referees to m take those actions because they sometimes they're in a situation where they cannot take a decision in that split of yeah. second and technology helps us. Yes, as you mentioned, certain decisions haven't gone according to what we would have liked. Yeah. But, you know, that's the par part and parcel. We will learn only from the mistakes that we make. And over a period of time, you will see that it is really beneficial for mm -hmm. us. More, more or less, a lot of decisions have gone the way it should have. Yeah. And it has benefited the game overall. And also, the players are happy. A few yeah. are definitely not. Um, Charlie Austin has yeah. said that, oh, you know, the referees need a lot of support and, you yeah. know, get VAR and Premier League mm -hmm. is doing, um, is going to introduce VAR next season. So that's good. Let's see how next season goes in Premier League though. As you said, you said it was beneficial to the game. And I have a stat here that says there were 29 penalties awarded at the World Cup in 2018. That was 16 more than at the previous tournament in Brazil. And that means 17 out of 20 wrong decisions at the World Cup were overturned by VAR. That's a stat that, that can be used positively. But I know there are other detractors of VAR and probably old school fans, if I can call them, who say that it disrupts the natural order of the game. Um, and football, considering it's more, it's more to do with the flow of the game than, let's say, the NBA or baseball, that it disrupts the momentum and the flow of the game and the viewing experience. Um, I know Shiv's not here today, but Shiv's one of those who believe in in having that mo small margin of error and luck in sport. What did you think of that opinion and do you think it is a, an issue? I was watching um, a channel on YouTube, I yeah. think so it's ESPN UK, where the pundits were talking about the use or the effectiveness of VAR. They compared the number of penalty decisions that were given in La Liga in 17-18 and 18-19 in Serie A and there was one more league, not sure which one was it. When you would see that stat, it shows that there's not much of a difference. I think so in Serie A, there were more penalties that were awarded in La Liga. I think so there were less penalties awarded. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just how the, how the game flows and yeah. what 
decisions does the referee take? Overall, yes, I understand the old school of thought that it is disrupting the play, but at the same time, it is giving the team the chance to kind of or the referee to make the correct decision mm-hmm. and the team to you know have the decision their way because if they absolutely had massive possession or they've been really good but luck has not been on their side VAR can help that I do agree with what what you said about about it being beneficial and also I personally I've, I've noticed that although there's been there's been a lot of calls about oh how it breaks the flow of the football game but football actually has a lot of, lot of stoppages by itself with free kicks goals there's so many protests from the players so much simulation so many times the physio has to come in i think it's, i read somewhere recently that in the in a 90 minute game the ball is actually in play only for 60 minutes in a survey earlier between 2016 and 2018 the international football association board said that the average time lost to var every var check is 55 seconds so 55 seconds in a game that loses 30 minutes to stoppages i don't think is that much of a problem um honestly and like you were saying if that helps make the game fairer and make it uh, actually reward players or teams who, who've been playing well instead of a lucky handball like Henri scored imagine if VAR was was in place during that time Ireland would have made it to the world cup that would have been historic for them yeah and, and that would have been interesting as well overall you need to say that it's still a few years where VAR has been implemented all across the globe you we still need to give it a period of time i would say probably till the next world cup is when we will be able to really review its performance because having been implemented in 2018 going down to 2022 in the world cup we will then come to know how much of a benefit has var been to our game and and var other than just helping on field decisions um the champions league uses var for uh, for more than uh, on field decisions as well the var apparently is until in play until every player has left the pitch so anything they do any any gestures or any uh, comments they do after after the full full final whistle has been blown is also used to check um and probably take action against them and that that actually brings me to the next um topic of discussion we were going to have about about racism in in football um there is, it is it is no surprise um, that it has been the topic a really hot topic of debate this season as as it is every season but this season because there've been uh, players who've, who've spoken out about it more more often uh, than usual raheem sterling has been the chap has been the trailblazer speaking about our racism celebrating in fact when england were playing montenegro where most of the english team were taunted to monkey chants um, ashley young manchester united player he was taunt, he was on the receiving end salah also he had uh, islamophobic chants um, against him danny rose has spoken about it in fact danny rose which is very sad to see danny rose in an interview said he could not wait for his career to come to an end so that he could escape racism and his family actually did not travel to russia because he was afraid they'd face racism in Russia and he said when countries get fined what they probably spend on a night out in London 
what do you expect and that's pre- that's pretty sad considering that we are in 2019 and all authorities all clubs have so much resources and there is and we are as a society more sensitive that the players have to face racism don't you think it it is very unfortunate that in this dnh people having a problem with uh, another person's color another person's community so from where they come from it's really sad to see such situations and according to me it will take still a lot of time and a lot of resources and energy that we need to invest towards such a situation it's not going to be an easy solution mm-hmm. that we'll be able to find um clubs or even the national organizations will have to invest a bit more time effort or probably even open up a new department that solely looks after these issues um provide more support to the players and which has been um uh, the case but things so we still can do a lot more considering there's so much of money in def- in premier league so you know you can they can definitely have more athlete support mm-hmm. and yeah still there's still um place for improvement yeah, it is interesting to see what danny Ro- like like you've seen what danny rose has said about pocket change and and how much, how less the fines are and how small the penalties seem to be um apparently spartak moscow and zenit uh, st petersburg russia's top teams and russia is quite quite infamous for having racist fans as well there was an incident where they were found their fans were found of being racist and they were they were charged 1600 for uh, resistance which which is a pretty small fine and fifa for all its no to racism and kick it out campaigns in 2016 they disbanded their anti anti-racism task force saying that their temporary mission was complete so is there more that uefa or or fifa should be doing um, i think current fifa guidelines even let referees stop suspend or abandon matches if if the referees think that uh, the racist behavior is too strong or intense but have you have you ever thought that there's not enough being done by the football authorities not just uefa or fifa but all authorities So football authorities have been doing the bit as you mentioned about a club being fined mm-hmm. or a club having its matches behind closed doors yeah. that really impacts the home team a player i believe suggested a couple of weeks ago or months ago that instead of having these penalties why not have a club uh, points be deducted mm-hmm. which would then put them in a bigger soup and these are situations that the authorities will have to take in mind if they want to really go down the path because say Tottenham are in in such a situation and they have to um the authorities take 6 points away from them you know they would have then come down to fighting for the fifth spot if you take this season into consideration I was surprised from the fact that FIFA racism program was stopped in between. Mm-hmm. Um there's still a lot more and you know for me it's the fans thought or the state of mind of that fan that needs to change. That cannot happen overnight. It's the education that the 
individual has been provided it's very tough for the organization to go down to the fans at the lowest level speak to them and improve their thought process they're doing that through the younger generation where they're taking players to go meet the children and kind of teach them that you know it has to be an equal game and there has to be no such incidents it's all about you're doing that at the youth level you've mentioned education and it's also up to the clubs to to educate their fans if not they, they obviously cannot educate every fan it's not it's not possible logistically for for clubs that have really huge uh, fan bases but maybe maybe the ones that have been caught and have been fined like there were a few uh, chelsea fans that were that were caught singing islamophobic songs against mohammed salah and the next game they were banned from attending the game by chelsea that and then they did move really quickly which is commendable but do you think they could probably go ahead and not just find them but also educate them and and explain why what they were doing was wrong clubs in the european sector are owned by private organizations or by individuals for them it is running about their own club yep. we need to or uefa or fifa needs to have a certain rule where each organization should implement such initiatives organizing committee needs to go down to the clubs and say you know this is mandatory what can you do the clubs need to go back probably think about how do they educate their fans hold information sessions before the game probably invite fans over have role models on match days to be situated across the stadium to then ensure such situations do not happen for them to speak to the young fans who come that's the way if you do it on a match day that's going to have a much bigger impact rather than doing it on off match days because no fans really going to come down to say the football stadium and mm-hmm. to really be educated on how they should behave yeah. so that's going to be a tough situation but yeah clubs can definitely do a lot more what about players do you think players themselves have a greater role in doing, in in helping their let's say teammates uh, not be racially abused as much do you think walking off do you think that's an option i think um, danny rose spoke about it again i, I keep bringing up his name and uh, gareth South, southgate said he would he would support that those kind of actions even though he doesn't think that that's the best action jurgen klopp came out to say that if that happened to any of his players he would take them off the field and say we don't agree to this kind of behavior from fans is that is that something that is a feasible option and that is something should that, that should be done it is a feasible option yeah it is a situation that would be spoken a lot about it would be taken in a negative sense if i'm not wrong here because you've got say 50000 fans in the stadium and only five of them have chanted these racist uh, racist comments what about the rest uh, of them are you going to devoid them of that match day experience what happens after that like okay you come off the field does the referee then go and identify those fans and then remove them and then do you resume the play then you know there will be a whole loss of time there are the fans okay with it 
or if you kind of totally suspend the game and then play it on the next day how do you kind of manage that because the schedules are so tight with all matches or all competitions having happening back to back especially from january to april for the english clubs yeah. it becomes really complicated to be in that situation players can definitely do a lot more because in this time they are influencers yeah. they have a lot to say on or how to influence you scroll down instagram profiles of sterling or any other footballer they do they have come up with videos about the societal issues but you can still do a lot more a lot more content can be produced and again i'll come back to being educated the more you impart this education to them the more likely they're not going to do it that's true i i do agree with um, the importance of education for fans or or even players for that instance because they come from very diverse backgrounds so there's a difference in language there's a difference in culture and humor as well so it could be that the humor or the language of a certain player could be misunderstood or or even be um, sensitive to a different player so i i do agree that education is is one of the biggest things that all these authorities or clubs need to focus on there was one other controversy i wanted to get your thoughts on the controversy of um, of baku um, the europa league final between arsenal and chelsea that was held in the azerbaijan capital of of baku and that created a lot of issues partly because arsenal player mikitarian did not attend the game and because arsenal and chelsea fans both from london they had to travel 2800 miles to get to that venue and they were allocated 6000 tickets each very expensive and i don't think getting to baku from london was easy either way a lot of managers have come out and said that the decision to give baku hosting rights of a final where there are so many diverse players and fans traveling from all around the world was wrong but what do you think was the thinking behind awarding baku it's funny when you say baku because recently the article that i had read about it was during last 10 minutes or 20 minutes they let fans enter for free so that they could fill the seats obviously for a broadcaster's point of view that was very daunting to see empty seats mm-hmm. and it became very funny because if you probably entered the stadium on a free ticket and i had paid 500 euros yeah. for it it would be in a very funny situation yeah. for uh, everyone yeah. i believe hosting the final in baku was not a wrong decision for all that matter fifa keeps saying that everybody keeps saying that you know use sport as a medium to have everyone included mm-hmm. and probably that was the decision for hosting baku and yeah. keep this in mind that the decision to host there wasn't taken say 2 weeks or 3 weeks before mm-hmm. we came to know the semi finalists for europa league yeah. it was ho- decided way in advance in yeah it was decided way in advance and it was just a situation where both the teams were from english um, origin and they had to travel that much the allocation was a bit strange for me because if you have two clubs that you would rather give them more tickets to have their own fans and you know try to fill it the price would probably be a factor and 
also we need to keep in mind that probably the country is not a very sporting country yeah. so the stadium would have been the best that they could have provided and for all the complaints that fans had that you know they were far away from the ground that's agreed but probably that's the best stadium that the country could offer it's it's good to have football or these events in such nations because that's when you come to know okay how do we improve because you learn only from your mistakes take for example when brazil flew down to australia in 2017 that is a big game because they were going to play against argentina as well as australia and the game was hosted in mcg mm-hmm. i was fortunate enough to go for the brazil australia versus brazil game and my experience to be honest was not that great because i was far away from the players what i had seen seen italy where the fans or seen germany where the fans are really close to the ground that makes a lot of impact and that's what you always thought about when you see an international game you know you want to have that kind of impact and that's why i'm saying that if that situation could happen in mcg in in a ground where the organizers organizers called everyone or try to attract by saying that oh this is happening in mcg this match it happened in baku that's totally all right it's just learning from their mistakes the stadium probably is used as a multi purpose that's quite evident because you could see an athletic track around it it was definitely used for other sports as well um ufa will just kind of probably experiment with other countries hosting it if la liga is going to is planning to go to the states to host its games they are definitely going to face issues there teams have played in baseball stadiums yeah. which is going to be a bit different obviously and that's how you let the sport grow and spread yes you also do understand that there's a lot of money involved stakeholders involved they could have probably hosted a smaller game of magnitude in that stadium but yeah it's just for them to learn from this and then uh, probably next year when liverpool play chelsea they could host in baku they could have hosted that in baku it is being hosted in istanbul which honestly i don't think istanbul obviously istanbul is a more accessible yeah. city than than baku is but it still is for again english fans it's not it's not the easiest although liverpool fans won't mind going to <laughs> going to istanbul but it's interesting how you brought up um, la liga's game in 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 the us um, and how you said that helps spreading the game that was something chevan and i spoke about on the first episode and mm-hmm. and italian clubs you you mentioned earlier like la liga italian clubs played a game in libya mm-hmm. so it is it is a good way of promoting promoting sport but at the same time you mentioned being inclusive and mikitarin arsenal player very important arsenal player he couldn't make it to the game because of security concerns obviously the azerbaijan government said oh yeah he can he can travel and that's not a problem but he was concerned about his own families and his security and and he could not attend the game and ufa's response to that um fifa also if if such matters are brought up usually say that they do not let political ambitions or political um, bias intervene intervene in their um, in their decision but at the same time they have rules that state that gibraltar and spain cannot be drawn together 
in international competitions because they don't have political ties between each other and azerbaijan and armenia also as footballing countries when they play in um, european qualifiers or european tournaments they cannot play against each other so they're not drawn in the same groups and you also mentioned how there are this is good for growing the sport but turns out Parkus venue had the 69700 capacity but only 37500 tickets were made available to the general public for me at least is this is a case of uefa being hypocritical and azerbaijan obviously uh, was picked because they paid the most money and rest of the tickets were given to the sponsors so uefa here it it looks like they're doing more to appease the sponsors and gain more money out of such marquee games than than spread the game or make them more uh, available for the public to view uefa will try to remove money as much as they can from their sponsors because they need that inflow of cash mm-hmm. to run their operations and to probably have it at a much higher scale to have it at azerbaijan it was a risky decision by them you know having few tickets being allocated to the general public was weird to have only 6000 being allocated to each club was weird like i said this is a decision decision probably they didn't really take in account of everything it was a decision okay let's see how that goes they might improve from here and that's the way that you know they they should probably learn from their mistakes and somewhere down the line probably a young fan in baku who went for the game really liked that experience and he probably shifts to now start playing football and you know in a few years you might hear his story that oh you know now he plays for liverpool and it is about giving that chance because if you for you the europa league was were to be hosted in england or spain how much of a difference was that going to really make because we've always had those big games in those countries it's all about spreading it you know the australian football league is going to china and they're spreading it there we as people in the sporting industry would understand it from that point of view yeah. fans obviously would not because they don't see it from that perspective we need to give it that shot to let it grow you need to probably ensure like act like it's your baby and just let it fly and see where it goes and yeah probably next year it's not hosted in baku and it's hosted somewhere else and the experience is better hopefully you make a very valid point about um, balancing for administrators especially balancing between being being sport administrators sport organizers and and also being fans i think that's something not just fifa or uefa all sports especially that are looking to grow like the icc and the international cricket council look at and look to balance between the two of them this was a very insightful discussion devin thank you very much for joining us today oh thank you for inviting me it's sad that shiv and daya could not make it the absence was absolutely felt before i let you go i asked you when we started what your favorite moment of the season was i i'm not going to ask you what you're looking forward to most in the upcoming season and if you have a very unique prediction for for the next season 
I'm definitely looking to improve my fantasy Premier League rank mm-hmm. next season. Okay. Had a very slow start or at times my captain decision was wrong. Hopefully Aguero can score me more hat-trick points. In terms of predictions, it'll be interesting to see where Wolves go because they had a really good season. Yeah. And what does Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea and United do to catch up with the other two? Thank you for tuning in to another We Don't Play episode. You can now listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and also Anchor. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at WDP Podcast and Facebook.